Thank you for joining us for Light on the Path, an ongoing conversation designed to encourage you from the Word of God as you walk with Him. Please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd also love to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. Be sure to see the show notes for more information and connect with us online at eastsidethomasville.org. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Good morning. This is Pastor Sean at Eastside Baptist Church, and I'm joined this morning by Assistant Pastor Bill Warren, and we are so thankful you've come to join us this morning for this Bible study. We'll be in James chapter 4, verse number 1 in just a minute, and we're kind of where we're at at Eastside is we're about in week number 11 of our summer revival, where we've taken a different text and a different um, thought from each text on the concept of revival, actual revival of our hearts that would result in us being changed and being different people. But I'm so thankful Pastor Bill joined me this morning. Go ahead and say good morning. Good morning. We are excited to be back together again. I I, I enjoy these conversations with Pastor and enjoy the, uh, the idea of you tagging along with us in these conversations. So thank you for joining us. Looking forward to seeing what God leads us to as we talk today. Amen. I know, I know you and I were just talking uh, about this and how much we, of course, we both have the gift of teaching and pastors, uh, pastor, God has given that to us. And so there's something incredibly fulfilling. And we wish that for everybody, mm-hmm. honestly. God has saved you. If you've been born again, he's saved you and given you a gift to use for the building of his kingdom. And Absolutely. honestly, that's one of the most fulfilling things in life to be using the gifts that God has given you. And uh, maybe you're in a spot where you don't feel like you're using your gifts. I would encourage you, as Paul told Timothy, stir up that gift. Don't let it die. Don't be a bad steward of what God has gifted you to do. Don't be limited by maybe what is in your church. If you find yourself, well, my church doesn't have that ministry. Well, so go to your pastor and ask him. Maybe he would be open-minded enough to help you start something. Or maybe you need to step outside of Sunday and Wednesday night and be a Christian the other five days, the other six days. You know, it doesn't, so many times, I know growing up, I was the same way. We can really take the, cr- the church as a crutch that we're only Christians at church. And during the week, we're kind of waiting until we come back to church again. That's, that's not at all what God intended. Um, well, here we are in James chapter 4. And you're welcome to follow along with us, but we'll read the scriptures for you. And really the theme is the root of pride in our lives. We find ourselves in James chapter 4, and I personally believe, um, and I know there's some debate on this, but I personally believe that James, Pastor James, the Lord's brother, I believe that's who wrote this, the pastor of the Jerusalem church, is writing this letter, as he says in verse number 1, I'm sorry, chapter number 1, to these this Jewish brethren, but I don't I don't believe this is what you and I in American culture would say our brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe it's just his countrymen. Some of them were believers, some of them were not believers, some of them because they were all very religious, they had a religious culture, they all talked about God and, and the law that was that was heavily involved in so many aspects of their life. 
And now he is almost like laying out some tests before them, some litmus tests onto whether they're genuine believers. I mean, you know, we see, I think it's in chapter two or three, that uh, faith without works is dead. Well, who is he talking to? Well, he's talking about people that profess Christ, that profess to be believers. But these ones weren't for some reason. I believe we're getting a mixed bag. So as we start in, in James chapter four, he's talking really at the core of our nature at really, I don't know, it's almost been labeled as one of the seven deadly sins, right? Pride. Yeah. And that's what God is talking about today. So let's start reading in chapter four, verse one. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Well, number one, does that sound like a Christian to you? Number three, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. And we always apply this to Christianity, right? That ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Hold on, does that sound like Christians? Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So I just can't side with the ones that say this is talking to Christians here. I believe, I, I believe we don't have to be quite so black and white on who specifically every single thing is talking to. There's some principles that apply to our humanity before we're saved and after we're saved. And I believe one of those is pride. Yeah, absolutely. This is a picture of a proud people rooted in our fallen nature, rooted in our depravity. And whether you're saved or lost here, you have issues with this. At this point, he is giving some very colorful language and describing this is what the core is of every lost person. I mean, wars and fightings. Why were they warring and fighting? Well, because they had lust. They had desire. They, they wanted what they wanted, and they were going to do whatever they had to do to get it. Matter of fact, even to the point of killing. You kill and desire to have, but you can't obtain. You, you're fighting for that lust. You're fighting for that root of self. You're fighting in your pride. You're going to pursue what you want, and you're willing to do anything to, to get it, but yet you still can't get it because it's not actually what you want. You're fighting for some perceived want to satisfy yourself, and it will never be satisfied. He says you fight, you war, yet you have not because you ask not. He, he's calling them, I believe, here to salvation. You ask and receive not because you ask it amiss. You're, you're not asking for the right things here. You're, you're asking for your own needs to be met. He says that you may consume it upon your lusts. He said you're adulterers and you're adulteresses. Now, we know that to be a label of the children of Israel many times, how they had turned away from the God that had created that nation, established that nation. And then he, he here in verse number four, really reprimands them. Know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? You're... You're an enemy, and not because you've placed yourself as an enemy. God has determined you to be an enemy. You've determined to be a friend of the world. You want what the world wants. You're not wanting what God wants. And now God is your enemy. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. In one sense, it was our decision to reject Christ. In another sense, we got it on us because we were born in it. But either way, we, as a lost person, are living in this vicious cycle of pursuing and fighting for what we want. And may there may be some searching coming in and out of that, but ultimately it's all bound in self. And I don't think that ever changes until we come to Christ. I really don't. And even, Pastor, in, in that moment where we come to Christ, we, we battle this, 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 this nature um, mm. even, through, even, as, even as a Christ follower because 
we, we face that daily decision of, of taking up our cross and following and following the savior. When we choose not to take up our cross and follow the savior, the, the, the natural default goes back to following self. And so if we're not in that active process, if we find ourselves in our, in our Christian walk, even today as Christ followers, where we in that morning, in that moment, lay down our cross, choose to follow self, we are elevating pride and we find ourselves back in this pattern. So yeah, it's, it's this, the, the, the descriptive language that James uses here is, is, is a, it's a, um, a very, uh, illustrative, I think of, of mm-hmm. the, the, the process that we walk through and, and the disappointments we face when we, when we live a life based on pride, we, we, we work, we effort, we, we fight, we, we, um, we do things we're not proud of and then we attain something and we find ourselves unsatisfied by it because it doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't and I mean, isn't this description really, um, so appropriately illustrative of who we were, especially hmm. those of us who got saved later in life, um, who we were before we got saved. I mean, we were searching some of us for quote unquote good things even, but it really was all rooted in ourself what we thought we needed, what we thought we wanted, our own fulfillment, our own satisfaction. We have this hole inside of us, we've heard it said, and we were searching for that, but it was all a need to fill that hole, all a need to fulfill our own needs and our own desires. And he says there in verse number five, do you think the scripture says in vain, he's of course referring to Old Testament scriptures here, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. You know, no matter how much we pursued self, no matter how much we were blinded by our own self-ambition, our need to feel needed and wanted in this, world, in this world, our need to have some sort of purpose. We've all heard all of these tag words. Uh, no matter how much that was rooted in our own self and our own blindness, God had grace for hmm. us. That, that should bring us to humility. And he begins in the next few verses to do that very same thing to just show us that even after we have come to Christ, even after we've received that grace, we still deal with pride. It's just and it has a little bit of a different picture now. It's still there. It's still intrinsically uh, laced throughout our lives. We spend the rest of our Christian life resisting it, uh, fleeing from it, turning from it, rejecting it, dying to it. But it's still there, and it is now the M.O. We see, uh, first of all, that pride has to be rejected to be saved. We see that in, in verse number 6. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. I believe this is the picture of salvation. There is not any proud person that can come in their pride to Jesus Christ, keep their pride, and accept the grace that God gives. I believe salvation at its core is an act of humility. God, I need you. I cannot be saved. I mean, you cannot be found until you're lost. Hmm. And if you don't think you're lost, I I just don't see how God could save a person that doesn't think they're lost. Every picture in the New Testament is in opposition to that fact. God reaches down and gives something that we do not deserve. And us as a grateful sinner humbles ourselves, places ourselves under his authority. We'll see that in the next line here and accepts the grace and salvation that God so freely offers and so so offers out of his goodness and compassion for us. In, it, Pastor, in, in linking this, so beautiful picture of salvation. Abs- absolutely. The, the, the truth is, uh, so salvation is linked to the action of God giving grace. We, without yeah. God's grace, without God's goodness, we don't see our need for salvation. We don't have a way out of salvation, even if we do recognize our, despond, our, our desperate situation. Um, but, it, but 
I think even as we're looking at the concept of, of restoration or revival within, within personal life, I see, I see a tie in there as well, but without the grace of God, Amen. Uh, we don't see our need for, for, uh, we don't see our need for uh, relationship with God without the grace of God. And, and the, the, the primary barrier, I think, to, to sanctification, to the process of transformation that God wants to do in every believer is pride. Because if we're proud, if we erect a barrier between the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and and in our life, and so we build a barrier where God, we don't give God access to those areas in our life where He's pointing out because our pride, we we yeah. we like ourselves too much. And so, uh, w- I love verse six. I love the but the transition there. So He's describing a, an ugly scenario, mm-hmm. and then there's this. redeeming qualifier this redeeming phrase but god gives grace and that grace is where we dwell both in salvation and in sanctification because without the grace of god we are we're hopeless and helpless so um, absolutely absolutely and he you know and we continue on in this life and james points that out to these who um i believe he is speaking to believers but he's not that doesn't mean the entire passage here is something that only happens in a believer's life He's showing us where we came from. Don't go back to that. You have experienced such magnificent grace of God. Um, God resisted you as that proud person, but he gives grace unto the humble, and Hmm. you had to humble yourself to receive that grace, and you did. Now, verse 7, submit yourselves therefore. Hmm. Anytime we see that word therefore, we know we're we're always to look back. What, What was he just talking about? Um, Submit yourselves therefore because of this grace that we received. Because of this humbling experience, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And here's, here's a pattern of submission to God where each and every one of us, in order to have that victory, in order to continue to walk with God and to grow, we have to live a life of submission. Um, you know, sub, putting ourselves underneath God and his authority. And that's, that's a constant thing that our pride battles hmm. to... I, as a man, I can only speak from a man because I am one. I have no leanings toward ever wanting to be a woman or ever wondering if I ever was a woman, thankfully. <laughs> but I'm a man, and because of that, I have natural propensities to want to lead my family, to lead in a job or, or whatever that is, those natural inclinations to want to do that, and a little bit of my personality as well. So this is a specific aspect of pride that I have to deal with <laughs> that I don't want to get too far out in front of God to where I'm no longer putting myself under his authority. Now I am, I'm living my own authority and hoping that I can look back and say, God, you're okay with this, right? Whereas I've already done it already. Um, but just to keep myself under his authority is a little bit of a challenge to me sometimes. And then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I mean, that's, that's the devil's MO. He, at one point, God lets us in on the fact that he at one point would not put himself under God's authority, wanted to be God, take the throne of God, and that very act caused him to be rejected and kicked out of heaven along with, I think it's a third of the heavenly host Mm -hmm. or a ton of angels that he was so deceitful and convincing to as well. I I find that in my own life. And that that is, I'm going to resist the whole devil's MO. I'm not going to put myself above God. I'm not going to put myself in leadership of my own life. I want to follow him. And uh, I think that's that's a big deal. I find it interesting, even the progression through verses six and seven, um, so often in our pride, we'll, we'll attempt the end of verse seven, resist the devil. Um, 
you know, we, we recognize we don't like the way something looks on us. We don't like a, a, per, a characteristic in our life that's, that's related to our sin nature or yeah. to us being in, uh, in sin or rebellion against God. And we go automatically to the resist the devil portion of this commandment, right? And say, yeah. hey, I'm going to fix this. Right. But it's linked to God giving grace and then us submitting ourselves to God. And as we walk through that process, re- claiming the grace of God, yeah. submitting ourselves to God's authority, then we resist the devil and he flees from us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we sometimes, and again, it's, a, it's an evidence of pride. We, we avoid submitting ourselves to God. We just go to battle with the devil and we find ourselves being defeated over and over again. And we say, well, something's wrong with the formula. I'm resisting the devil. He's not fleeing from me. But it's because I'm not submitted to God. I've not accepted the grace of God, not submitted to God. I'm right. trying to act out in pride. Well, yeah, because haven't we some, well, I can only speak for myself, but haven't, haven't I sometimes associated resisting the devil as that is just an outward action? That's some kind of way that I do that outwardly. No, devil, I'm not doing that. Right. Whereas God says here, it's a heart matter. It has already been a humble heart that has accepted my grace. It's a heart that has submitted myself to yourselves. And then the next natural step is resist. I mean, this is part mm. of that submission. We're resisting the devil. And we can't submit to God and submit to the devil at the same time. Mm. It, it's, one, it's one in the same action. Submitting to God is resisting the devil. And he's, God says, you do that, he's going to run from you. Interesting. He's going to know where your allegiances lie. You're not creating friendships with the world. You're not fighting it upon your own lusts. Um, that's, that's not your MO anymore. Now you're submitted to me. You've received my grace and you're a child of the King. And that's just a Mm. a wonderful, wonderful thing. We see submission to God, that ongoing pursuit of rejecting our pride. We see in verse eight, intentionally walking with him. And I I believe this is something we have to, we have to keep in mind. Our walk with God has to be intentional. There will be no point in our lives. At least I haven't. I'm 50. I haven't reached it yet. I don't see it anywhere in scripture that you can reach a point to where we no longer have to try any longer. We can now put it on coast. We can put it on autopilot. God will take us the rest of the way. Oh, sure. Our walk with him or sorry, our security, our salvation is secure in him because of him. But our closeness to him, our walk with him is that picture of a relationship. And we all know if you don't put time in the relationship, in any relationship, it, it will begin to immediately withdraw. He says in verse 8, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Again, I think we have to resist the magic formula aspect of this that we want. Okay, there's the formula. <laughs> if I'll get close to God, he'll get close to me. Well, we can't forget the progression of everything that led up to this. And then God says, by the way, this takes some intentional um, drawing of you. <laughs> some intentional walking from you. You draw nigh to God, he's going to draw nigh to you. And this is, again, another act of humility. God, I, I want, I am coming to you. I'm not sitting here waiting for you to do something in my life. I want what you have to offer. I want to be close to you. I've experienced your grace. I've submitted myself unto you. We have this relationship. And if it's not vibrant, it's because of me. I'm going to draw nigh to you. And I do love the picture there of, so, so all that is true. It's only through the grace that God provides that we have the ability to um, recognize need, the need for God, to submit ourselves to God, and then begin the process of drawing nigh to God. But there's this, this immediate response. He draws nigh to us. And I think so many times we struggle. So one of the struggles you hear about within the Christian walk, and one of the struggles I've struggled with is, um, this, this idea of separation, we see it in the Psalms, 
uh, as David is experiencing sin or he's rebelling against God, he, he, he draws this gulf between he and God. Like, where are you, God? Where is my Savior? Where is my Redeemer? Um, that gulf does exist, but it exists because we have not walked through this process of submitting ourselves, resisting, drawing nigh to God, accepting the grace of God, then drawing nigh to God. Because when that happens, the gap closes. Um, and so I, I love that there is that response. It's not a, it's not this, God yeah. doesn't, is not punitive in his, in his restoration of relationship. He's not going to give us the cold shoulder when we, mm-hmm. when we walk through this process of restoration, he, he, he turns us, he turns his face to us and comes toward us. Yeah. He, he wants to be restored. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be restored to him and it's only to our benefit. It really is. Sometimes we see that negatively, but it's not a negative thing. Hmm. Discipline, restoration, this is all for our benefit to be close to the fountain of everything that is good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, our pride and our sin nature rejects that sometimes, and we get a skewed view of what is good and what is, what is right, seeing it almost as a negative thing. Hmm. Um, but it's not. It's pure and lovely and holy, and, and we have to consistently remind ourselves to that and we have to keep this idea of ongoing repentance he goes on there in verse number nine or verse number eight he says draw nigh to god he will draw nigh to you and he says cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts ye double-minded and that's that's that whole idea there is there is not going to come a time in our lives when we we are not being introspective and god search my heart and there's there's things that we need to uh be cleansed of and and we need to purify and he says uh, by the way, you double-minded, and where does that come from? Well, we saw that in chapter number one, the double-minded man's unstable in all his ways, and that is the picture of the unstable Christian, I believe, that, hey, you've got sin in your life, you've got things that you have not repented of, things that you need revival in, and as a result, you're this double-minded man. You haven't decided which direction you're going to go, and so, honestly, you're not going anywhere. And matter of fact, you're probably going backwards. You're, you're, getting, you're shrinking the the sinew in the muscles that you have developed in walking with God are starting to shrink due to lack of activity and you and I need revival and it's all around centered around the pride in our hearts and I know we got to close up we're out of time but he wraps it up in verse 10 humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up and that's the bow over all of it (laughs) accept his grace come to Christ and then continue in that walk of humility and submission to God, which is just naturally going to put you in a position as you're resisting the devil. He'll flee from us. You, you intentionally draw nigh to him. You cleanse your hands. You repent of those things you need to repent. Purify your heart. Don't be that double-minded man that can't decide which direction you're going to go. Am I going to serve self? Am I going to serve God? Ultimately, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And all those things in verses 1 through 4 that you're fighting for as a lost person, God will take care of those things. Humble yourself, and he shall lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. He'll lift you up. He'll put you where you need to be, and you'll be what you need to be and experience who you really are in Jesus Christ. That's good. I uh, have to close this off. It took you a little bit long this morning, but the Lord had really spoken to me about this passage, and I hope it was a blessing to you. Uh, And I hope the rest of your week, as you're chewing on these things, I know it can be a little bit of a heavy topic, but sometimes we need to deal with the heavy roots of what's going on in our lives before God can open us up into this blessed life that he would have us to live for his honor and his glory. 
Hope you have a wonderful week and hope this was an encouragement to you. Feel free to uh, be our guest anytime, Sundays or Wednesdays. Look at the show notes below to connect with us on our website. We'd love to have you as a guest here. If we can pray with you in any way, there's several ways to connect with us on our website and we'd love to um, be a help to you in any way we can. Have a wonderful week.